Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, and welcome to Studio HFL, where you truly do hear from legends. And I appreciate you being here today. This is going to be a fun one with my guest, Bria Sconberg, and this is HFL 99. Oh my gosh, we're getting close to 100. Most of you may know Bria from her fantastic work in the world of jazz and her affinity for the stylings of the great Louis Armstrong. And she's also a fabulous singer. I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy this interview from July 29th, 2020. Of course, you can listen to these interviews on any podcast platform, but now you have the option to also watch them on the Studio HFL YouTube channel. The show fans recently stepped up, got the channel over the 100 subscriber mark, and of course now my next goal is to get to 150 subscribers. You can help me get there by simply visiting the YouTube channel and subscribing. While you're out there, I'd also encourage you to visit Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and a review. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Studio HFL. To keep up on releases and get a heads up on other news, you can subscribe to the newsletter at StudioHFL.com. And that's where you can find out about live events that are coming up. Here's a huge shout out to my Patreon patrons for their generous support of the show. Your support goes a long way towards helping me to deliver the best possible end product. If you would like to be a part of the Studio HFL community, please visit www.patreon.com slash studiohfl. There are four tiers of support from which you can choose, each with benefits for becoming a subscriber. And now a quick word about my sponsors. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. There's an incredible line of mouthpieces, both custom and stock, that you can choose from with expert guidance from Eric Murin. And the Blackburn trumpets are the choice of pros like Vince DiMartino and David Hickman. Design, execution, delivery, and customer service driven, you can find out more at picketblackburn.com. Brass players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other musicians. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to a wide variety of color schemes. Don't forget about options for mouthpiece pouches or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. One of the great things about small business is that you get the opportunity to provide exceptional customer service while delivering exceptional products. At Hammond Design, Carl Hammond provides a line of stock mouthpieces for trumpet, cornet, mellophone, trombone, and tuba, and custom orders for all of those, plus flugelhorn. All made possible because Carl listens to you and then creates a piece to your specs. Everything is better in HD, and you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. The Eastman Music Company has become a force to be reckoned with by manufacturing and delivering high-quality instruments across the board. Eastman Winds provides a line of brass instruments from beginner to pro, and you know they're invested in the quality of every instrument in that line when they have the one and only Doc Severinsen design their beginner trumpet model. Find out more at eastmanwinds.com. S.E. Shires, another division of the Eastman Music Company, offers a complete line of brass instruments for the discerning musician. Stock options are available, but custom orders are where Shires has made their mark. As both an Eastman and a Shires artist myself, I can attest to the quality of the horn in my hands no matter what my performance situation. From the studio, to chamber music, to the orchestra stage, I'm comfortable and confident with my Eastman and Shires trumpets. You can find out more at seshires.com. And now on to my interview with Bria Sconberg. Bria Sconberg, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah. So... 
I had seen your name a few times here and there. And then at the Hershey, Pennsylvania ITG, you did, um, well, I, you may have done more than just the, the master class, but uh, I was in the master class and you were doing uh, improv, like basic uh, introduction to improv. Mm -hmm. And of course, everybody knew you could play the trumpet. And then you sang All of Me. Mm. And I, do, do you recall any of this? You know, I'm your the the memories are coming back <laughs> right now. So, so you, the ITG is the International Trumpet Guild Conference, and Hershey is in Pennsylvania. And I'm, right, of course, right. I'll never forget that because it is the home of Hershey's chocolates, and the whole city yeah. looks like you're in Willy right. Wonka's chocolate factory. Right. <laughs> so, I tend to remember wherever I go. I'm like, what did I eat? I had a lot of chocolate on that trip. Yeah. Um, but yes, yes, I do remember the conference center, and I did a master class as well as a a performance with my group on one of the days. Yeah. But I think uh, uh, people knew you as a trumpet player, but when you started to sing, I think everybody, myself included, was like, oh, wow. <laughs> this, this is really, this is really nice. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, of course, I've seen things that you've done on Facebook and uh, it cranked me up. Uh, you remember right at the beginning of the lockdown, there was the, it was the West End Blues Challenge Right. And every it seemed like every trumpet player on the face of the earth was <laughs> was doing this and you played it. And I remember reading through the comments on your performance of that. And somebody was like, uh, way to go. Keep practicing. And I'm like, do they even know who you are? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, that's what I tell myself every day. Way well, to go. Keep practicing. Yeah. <laughs> but I just thought, yeah, I wonder if he was just kind of trolling, you know, and, and maybe hadn't heard of you yet. But uh, I can't be you, bothered. You, you've <laughs> kind of kind of made a pretty good name for yourself. <laughs> well, that's that's good to hear. Um, yeah. yeah, I've I've been at this a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? um, and you know, it, it's. It, Jazz is not my main area. I'm mostly an orchestral player. And so, you know, um, it's like I'm not really clued in. I didn't know about Ingrid Jensen and just till a couple of years ago and Sean Jones. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, there's some there's some really good people I should be aware of out there. You know, you don't have to feel bad about that because there are so many, you know, music is just a, a bunch of different communities as well. Like, I mean, you have you get into one style. I mean, but if you say jazz, jazz is, you know, a century of of different interpretations of jazz. So you can get into different scenes and figure out who's in the who in the, those scenes. I mean, right. yeah, I mean, as you're talking about some of the most major names in the, the mainstream jazz scene. But for years um, before moving to New York City, I was part of a, a classic jazz, a traditional jazz scene that was all mm -hmm. over the world, in Europe especially. Um, so, you know, in, in some ways I feel like, oh, okay, you kind of, when you stumble across a new scene, you're like, oh, am I late to this party? Or is it, it doesn't even matter. Just jump <laughs> right. in and start getting to know people. And ultimately, right. if it's just, if it's material and music that inspires you, you know, it's never too yeah. late to get started. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of getting started, I would like to start with what's going on with you right now during all of this insanity. <laughs> what, do, what are you doing to, you know, uh, move forward every day and, and keep yourself <laughs> focused on trumpet? What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. You know, I'm glad that I, I realized at the beginning of this whole lockdown, at least my mind state was not what can't I do? It's what can I do? Now, that being said, if you had caught me 10 minutes ago, I'd be sitting here going, I can't give you anything but love. And like, you know, I'm, all of a sudden, I'm this, I'm this 
one woman band over right. here right. trying to pull in some things together, which has been entertaining. So all to say, um, one of the first things that I jumped into was doing um, li live streams twice a week. Mm -hmm. uh, that has been an education for me in a bunch of different ways to, you know, very quickly get over um, my own insecurities of playing my secondary, third instruments, fourth instruments, mm -hmm. uh, just to share some music because I, it's what I need. And this now uh, several months in, it's become this really sweet community of people uh, and new people every day from all over the world that kind of tune in and, and want to hear some music and quite honestly, probably use it as an outlet, a place to either escape or process some of the feelings they've had and you know, so that that has been the most consistent thing over mm -hmm. the last uh, several months. Uh, I am in the Lower East Side of New York City, and I've been pretty much in the zip code <laughs> the whole time. Is that near uh, uh, Brooklyn? Uh, I can see Brooklyn. Uh, okay. I am I am in between Katz's Deli, <laughs> the famous shopping okay. house, and. The, and the Colossus Bridge that Sonny Rollins, uh, okay. Rollins used to practice under. So that's maybe for, for musical and foodie terms, that's about where I'm at. But I'm, I feel fortunate that I can, I look out of the East River and I have natural light mm -hmm. and a place that I can make some noise and understanding neighbors <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. I think that that's something that I, um, you know, I haven't experienced it since maybe the year after going, going to college. It's just like, okay, I'm back to practicing playing almost exclusively within an apartment that the walls are very close mm -hmm. and the way that that shapes you mentally and musically is a it's a it's a process i guess it's are, a journey are, are there people in your apartment are the people in your apartment building a little more forgiving of your yeah. practice time during during this yeah definitely i mean i try to keep it during certain hours and you know they i mean we all we're part of a uh, there's a community I can you can hear other people making noise but mm -hmm. you just try to be respectful and I've certainly become more efficient with my practice you know if I <laughs> just to be nice <laughs> you know try mm -hmm, to keep mm -hmm. the blaring trumpet you know maybe an hour an hour of technique an hour of music and then whatever sort of recording projects I am a part of I try to keep it within these kind of concise frames yeah um so those so so I have been staying busy that is what mm -hmm. I've I've been working at um Again, okay, so the live streams, various recording things, um, interactive performances for different specialty groups, um, some teaching, a little bit of mm -hmm. private lessons. Normally, mm -hmm. I don't teach private lessons regularly because I, I travel <laughs> quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been nice to build some relationships with regular people and work on their repertoire and their skill set, mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, a couple of virtual sort of camps, music mm -hmm. camps that mm -hmm. generally come up in July. Mm -hmm. So like everybody, just trying to adapt and, and keep yeah. moving forward with what we got. Well, you know, you're talking about the uh, the recording projects. You know, of course, we've had the ability for several years now to, you know, record your your track and then send it off and somebody else will integrate it and master the whole thing. And then it was like everybody was in the studio at the same time. Yeah. But now we're all doing that, right? And, yeah. And, and including the video, which I think is so cool. And now I don't have the video mastery to put all that stuff together. And so I really appreciate Song of Hope video. Did you see that come out the other day with 1,400 submissions? What it was the, no. the Ryan Anthony's uh, video. I don't know if you saw this. No, I will have yet. to send you the link. Please do. Please do. But, you know, you've seen, you know, 15, 20 or more people in, 
you know, the grid playing. Well, this was like 1400 individual submissions and it, it, it'll give you goosebumps. Wow. You know, it's just the, the piece and the meaning behind it, you know, of course, with Ryan Anthony is just, it was remarkable, the project itself. So amazing. Um, Oh, I'd love, to see, but, I'd love to see that and hear that. You know, when's the last time you went to a show with 1,400 people <laughs> playing at the same right? time? <sighs> and, and when will it ever, when will we ever go to a venue where there will be that many people <laughs> yeah, ever again? exactly, yeah. So, well. Um, not my are audience. Your, are you, are you, <laughs> but you're <laughs> not, not a yet. bass, you're not a bass player, so you shouldn't expect only, you know. No, like yeah. <laughs> when I play this some pop, some pop lines. <laughs> um. What kind of recording projects are you working on? Are they a small oh. group? Well, um, actually, right um, currently, this week, um, I am grateful to the what is called the Festival of New Trumpets. It's a festival that has been going on for years. Dave Douglas, trumpet player, mm -hmm. is the or main organizer. Uh, and, you know, he's one of these um, incredible producers that is trying to honor the commitment that they had made in the fall in some sort of way. So... I was originally going to host basically an emerging artist uh, two nights at a club in New York City, but instead we're making a virtual concert. It's going to be about like a seventy-five minute concert, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've and it's uh, I've hired you know a rhythm section and three up-and-coming uh, trumpet players that I think have distinct voices, mm -hmm. and uh, so this is the first time during COVID that I have been kind of behind the the producer chair of the of the project so it's a lot i'm le i'm continually learning i'm still learning always uncomfortable <laughs> always learning something mm -hmm. uh you know i've i should say like i've done my share of um kind of layered different recording versions and stuff but again this is the first one that i've been putting together the concept for so that's it you know just trying to make sure that everybody has what they need like in terms of roadmaps gear uh instructions on how to save it or what will make it easier for assembly later on and then also now that i'm i'm thinking a feature length con a full-length concert instead of just like one song I'm trying to think of okay how can i um shape a narrative over it you know doing interviews with the different uh mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. that are involved so that's i guess that's where i've where i've come to now is just you know instead of little bits and pieces i'm getting back into like okay i can create a concert with a narrative mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is what I was really enjoying before I, before I got, before this all <laughs> broke down, I had just started to figure out, I think finally how to pace <laughs> like a 90 minute show, both chop wise, but in terms of like drama intensity and, and a journey for the audience in the band. So, okay. So you're putting together this program and let's say in perfect times, you know, you were able to go ahead with this. You're talking about playing the trumpet, mm -hmm. singing, mm -hmm featuring other musicians but are you and when you say uh, narrative are you the one providing the narrative or have you got what, what tell me a little bit about that i'm interested yeah i mean that uh you know i will be um writing introductions outros uh, performing interviews with the different mm -hmm. uh, players and you know i'm thinking about you know especially at a time like right now with social movements and saying okay what what statement is it that you want to make? Not even necessarily about the world at hand, but this is a platform where I get a chance to highlight somebody I think has something to say. Mm -hmm. And so how can I set up an environment where they're both encouraged to do that and feel comfortable? Mm -hmm. So 
all that to say by creating a narrative, I want to, um, you know, with this concert, I want it to be uh, about, you know, highlighting voices that are coming, coming out, especially in this time mm -hmm. and, uh, and yet still be, leave it flexible enough that, uh, you know, obviously they can improvise a bit within it or we'll have our own conversation as we are having right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Judith Saxton, I don't know if you know Judith, uh, fabulous trumpet player. Cool. And she put together, uh, she wrote a piece for trumpet and viola. Ooh. And it was, um, it was about George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And of course, the timing and it's like some people recognize the importance of we, we can't gloss over this, right, yes. and the importance of addressing things at hand. Um, so, you know, I appreciate that you say, you know, you're going to give somebody the platform, the opportunity to do just that very thing, because we can't skirt these things, right? We can't right. go around it. It's, it doesn't serve anybody really. Well, and if anything, you know, these are, this is, these are the arts, this is the history of the arts, and this is why they are essential services mm -hmm. and essential parts of education in schools is because it just, it gives everybody a it gives people a place where they can uh, process emotions, share emotions and bring it mm -hmm. together, especially when you don't have the words to, ex to express what you're feeling. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. There's another, okay, I'm going to hold yeah. ta the whole tab. Yeah. Uh, what you can just share <laughs> with me after this. Well, and, and another is uh, my interview with Byron Stripling, who is Yay. a huge fan of yours, oh, of course. He's so great. Oh my gosh. What an absolutely brilliant, brilliant man. He said some really profound things and we talked, it was June 19th, Juneteenth, right? And we were, we talked that day and he talked about the importance of music and what our responsibilities are as yes. musicians, as artists. And, you know, when we come out of this on the other side of COVID, you know, what we have to do uh, for the people who are hungry for, you know, what we're able to provide. And yeah, yeah so um Oh, I'm getting chills thinking about it again. He it's was a real, it's a real formative time for everybody. And also what you can provide in the meanwhile, you know, it's funny, these, these live stream things, a lot of them are really extremely lighthearted, but I realize that's another form of musical therapy too. It's like, I'm just, you know, it's like a sing along. I'm like, come on, you sing. And of course I can't hear anybody, but I'm just, you know, like get it out, do what you need to do. Or there are right. times where I'll say like, you know, give me a couple of emotions that you're feeling. I mean, this is actually, I say they're lighthearted. And then there are an exercise I like to do with whatever group I'm at, say, write down a few things you've been feeling this week and I'll improvise off of that. And so I do that. But the, right away, the first three were like loneliness, mm -hmm. frustration, melancholy, you know, it's, it's really deep. So yeah. again, to kind of like, at least to put that in that out there and, and express on it yeah. is really well, special. And they say, you know, great art is born of, of uh, suffering and tragedy. Mm -hmm. And who can imagine, who can't imagine that we're going to come out on the other side of this with, uh, well, I, I've talked to composers already who are writing about this. And you just think, okay, it's horrible that we have to go through this. Yeah. However, yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, some, uh, you know, if you hate to say there's a silver lining because there's no silver lining about people dying, you know, but but you get where I'm headed with that, I hope. Yeah, I've, I've this last week, I've been thinking about, um, you know, I, um, 
yeah, having more empathy for people, but especially, you know, the, the mobility impaired and the way that this virtual realm has opened up a lot of opportunities for them to enjoy concerts and different content. You know, it's the 30th anniversary of the ADA Act um, so that um, mm. the American Disabilities Act. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's just, yeah, there there's time to just slow down and and gain awareness, but also of what other people's conditions, you know, or situations were that you wouldn't necessarily have thought about before. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have hope that um, you know this this time it'll inform more in the future that we'll just be able to include more people and have more direct discussions. Yeah, about important matters. Let's take a little bit of a left turn. Okay. <laughs> it's easy for me just to say that. And okay, so you've got this Louis Armstrong poster behind you. Yep. You're kind of a fan of him, aren't you? <laughs> no, he's okay. He's okay. He's really a you know. He could have gone pro, right? He could have. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> could have been somebody. Yes, yeah. So I, I keep that there just to remind me, keep me honest a little bit mm -hmm. in my practice and my by being. Um, yeah, I was I, I was really lucky that when I grew up, uh, I started playing trumpet when I was about 11 years old. I'm a product of uh, good public school band programs <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh and a family of musical hobbyists, you know, we just had instruments kind of laying around, although nobody else brought, kept it up professionally or played. Um, but my hometown had a featured festival about traditional jazz music. And so as I was growing up, they would make combos and we'd focus on the music of people like Louis Armstrong, Jelly Roll Morton, uh, King Oliver, like really, really foundational type mm -hmm. music. So his recordings especially got into my my heart and my ears and my sound pretty early on, plus the opportunity to try and learn some of his, you talk about the West End Blues Challenge, you know, keep practicing. Yeah, yeah I will. I've been trying to play that song for 20 years. <laughs> like, I really, it's yeah. still like, you know, let's not pretend that was a first take, you know, <laughs> but it right. was a good, right. I come back to it every now and then. Um, well, yeah, so Louis Armstrong has just been a huge, just an inspiration because of the musical first his musicality his uh his singing as well and mm -hmm. his humanity uh i have a really good relationship with the lewis armstrong house museum it's I don't know, not many people know but he lived in queens with his mm -hmm. last wife lucille mm -hmm. and they had an incredible just a, a beautiful house in a very humble neighborhood in uh, in queens and so seeing how he chose to live and the relationship with his community there i think speaks volumes and all the different stories you hear about how he just you know he was really an ambassador for music and peace all over the world uh i interviewed ricky ricardi a few weeks ago you know something about lewis too a little bit right uh, coming know. up <laughs> <laughs> well in fact it was byron who said you need to talk to this guy yeah 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 yeah, yeah you yeah. know uh, so and that was great you know and so i've already bought his first book and I, yes. i'm starting to work my way through that and he's got a second book coming out and of course i mentioned your name and he's like oh yeah you know i know bria but you know what's interesting to me is um you know, I, I think of Louis Armstrong as kind of beginning to end and not realizing until just recently that there were the 20s and 30s and then, you know, these later and, you know, you can break them down even later things where people, you know, his his audience viewed him in different ways. And I'm thinking, but the music was still all really good. Sure. And, yeah. you know, but but it was the society, it was societal things. Right. It was that. But, oh, my gosh, you know, to look at the career from, 
that he had as long as it was, was it 81 that he passed away uh 70 a little i should know this it wasn't 81 76 70, ricky hold 70, on let me just say i'm blanking yeah yeah right so uh, i'll i'll voice over yeah. <laughs> that i'll put the right date <laughs> yeah, <I agree>. yeah. <laughs> um but you know just to look at the that career and think oh my gosh the output and um Oh, I hear such a difference between that early Louis Armstrong and late Louis Armstrong, but it's the same as, you know, early miles and late miles or sure. early anybody and late anybody, you know, the, the, your sound yeah. uh, evolves because you evolve, right? And, and take everything in. Um, but enough about me talking about Louis Armstrong. I want to hear <laughs> what you have to think and, and more really not just about him, but um, what what it means to you how you tried and you do have your own voice you can sound like Louis Armstrong but I still think you of course you're Bria <laughs> okay. you know um you're not Bria Lewis you know you haven't adopted his middle name so <laughs> nope yeah uh yeah let's see that's a long a long journey I want to touch on briefly it's yeah, how you talk about the many eras of his life. I mean, he recorded in what five over five decades, <laughs> pretty much. Right. And people say, "Oh, you need to listen to the hot fives and sevens. And that's, a, of course, that's a extremely formative um, library of music. But I think, like many people, I fell in love with him first, just with the pop stuff that came out in the fifties, and like Mac the Knife and Hello Dolly. And you know, you hear that first, and it's very warm and inviting. And then you start to go in a little deeper. And really, the the thirties, what Ricky's newest book about. 1930s i think is a really really exciting period both in his life as a you know as a player as an entertainer as a you know stepping out as a superstar an african-american superstar mm -hmm. at a time of total segregation and such like he's a just such a yeah an icon incredible incredible story um and then the later years in the in the 60s with the all-stars 50s and 60s with all-stars where his sound was just like like a, a shotgun just wall of sound uh so I, I do that too i try to think of it like almost in decades because it's mm -hmm. you can't look at him as just one you know one top to bottom artist it really 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 evolved as you said um as far as uh <laughs> i'm trying to think now i'm trying to remember what, what the other well i threw a lot i threw a really yeah. long question <laughs> yeah. at you yeah uh no you know how um how have you absorbed his sound and made it into and others, you I know, not you. just Louis Armstrong, but others? How? That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, early on, I, I grew so I grew up in a town called Chilliwack. It's in British Columbia, Canada, and uh, despite what I like to say about it on the bandstand, it didn't have a huge thriving jazz scene. <laughs> you know, throughout we had a fantastic festival and good school mm -hmm. programs. But it wasn't necessarily something where, like, you know, the Jazz Lincoln Center Orchestra wouldn't pass through our town on the way on tour. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I didn't have a private teacher until I got even accepted into university. Wow. Uh, until I got to college. Yeah, big mess. <laughs> it was a whole, a whole pot of raw materials and no refinement. <laughs> and I say the raw materials because I listen to a lot of Louis Armstrong. So for me, I feel like... Um, you know, his mu I learned so much just from listening to his music and also, again, these combos, the combo that was available through my high school, we played Potato Head Blues, Cornet Chop Suey, West End Blues, mm -hmm. and that was my only, like, technical training on the trumpet, mm -hmm. was trying to play Louis Armstrong transcriptions. <laughs> you know, I still it, try to... It, that's pretty good. I mean, it could have been a lot worse, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's an eight, they're etudes, 
yeah. they are etudes, yeah. you know, and they go up and down and they're very um, articulate. And so that that was kind of like a big piece of it for me too. Again, and they were the most challenging pieces I could try to play, which is something I always liked. I played a lot mm-hmm. of sports. I had a competitive edge. So trying to play Louis Armstrong solos <laughs> as a teenager spoke to me and also gave me kind of the skill set to at least set me up technically. And, you know, as I, as I moved, as I got to university, and I, so I moved to Vancouver, which is about a two hour drive away from Chilliwack, but a big, big city move for mm-hmm. me at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stuck out like a sore thumb uh, in <laughs> music school because like most music schools, they don't, they kind of skim over, they skim over the New Orleans tradition. Oh, right. hundred percent. You know, it was a, a jazz studies program, which I loved and had a really good experience with. I had the background education before that. Um, but it definitely, uh, it, uh, I was unique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's say this, you mm-hmm. know, um, to, to play that. So, um, you know, I, I think I, I took a little while trying to just focus on playing other styles of music while there, but also keeping up. Um, I found a community within the swing scene. So there's a swing, there's a, you know, everywhere you go in the world, there's basically a swing dance scene mm-hmm. to or a swing scene where people love classic jazz. And that's where I started doing most of my gigging all throughout university. Um, the nucleus of the high school combo I had stayed together. I I'd made it into a group called Bria's Hot Five that could, mm-hmm. you know, just to mm-hmm. have a smaller group to play. And, uh, and we started churning out repertoire, 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 um, as much as possible. So I learned a whole bunch of melodies. Mm-hmm. Again, a lot of them, you know, Lewis recorded so much music. Ella Fitzgerald recorded so much music, mm-hmm. um, that whole era. So that gave me the melodic vocabulary um, that, that I continue to benefit from this day and the lyrical mm-hmm. sense of playing. Um, yeah, that, that was a big piece of that. And then as I... After I graduated from university, uh, opportunities, bigger, more big opportunities started to open up because I had both the repertoire, the sound on my trumpet. I mean, the, the main benefit of listening to Louis Armstrong's All Stars when you're learning how to play the trumpet is you don't doubt you have to put air through the horn. You know, I have never had a problem putting air through the horn <laughs> because it's been in my ears from the get go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also again, through really, you know, loving Lewis and his music and the vocabulary, I sunk into a larger worldwide community, um, of people and opportunities to create in what's called an all-star environment. So there are times I, I got to travel to many different places, a lot throughout the U S, um, even over in Europe and a couple of times in Japan where I'd show up and, you know, we, none of us have ever played together we don't even speak the same language <laughs> and yet hey uh do you know uh back home again in indiana yes oh louis okay great Perfect. one two three four let's go in front of an audience and and started to you know get my just jumped in this like chop training program and mm-hmm. learning how to band lead on the fly when oh, it's so easy that was so great no problem right yeah everybody, everybody listens to you and and, and follows exactly <laughs> especially when you're a 20 year old girl from canada oh my gosh. great yeah. traveling the world yeah no problem uh <laughs> yeah that was yeah, to be honest like the all the, those years like they were such amazing experiences but i was terrified most of the time but i had to keep on just just kind of keep going 
Um, so you're playing yeah. trumpet through all of this. Are you, yeah. have you already started to sing as well? Oh, okay. So my journey with my journey with singing <laughs> is that I loved, I loved singing as a young girl, but I was too shy to do it openly. And then uh, I tried to encouraged by, encouraged by some friends to try out for the school musical when I was in grade nine. So I was, I was Sandy in Greece at the age <laughs> of 15. <laughs> Hopelessly devoted. <laughs> yeah, get it out, that teenage angst. Right. Um, so, but I, so I, that was kind of my my big breakup moment. And then after that, I joined the jazz choir at school, and I hmm. I was able to kind of juggle the two of them a little bit through through high school. Um, you know, still finding my footing and finding my uh, the guts to sing. I I totally understand and know that everybody, I think everybody likes to sing and everybody wants. And everybody can sing. It's just a matter of thinking. <laughs> Not me. Thank you very much. I'm... It sounds, but, but just to go, ah, you know, like, well, yes, yes. Get it out. Get it out. Same as yeah. playing trumpet. Okay. You play trumpet. Um, but so uh, I should say, so those college years, when I say that I was learning so much vocabulary with the bands um, through gigging and festivals, uh, was always learning the lyrics to songs and, and would bring some vocals to the table. And it was great because the other members of the band, we'd all sing. We'd all just like, what song do you want to play? What song do you want to sing? It was a lab because there was no set singer in the group. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, all right, you play this one, you sing that one. And we're all, we were mm-hmm. all learning together. It was really, really wonderful. Um, this is just a quick sponsor break to remind you to check out Messina Covers for great custom case options. Eastman Winds and S.E. Shires for exceptional quality from the professional model to the beginner model, Hammond Design for their incredible HD experience, and of course, Pickett Blackburn, providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets. Now, back to today's guest. I was on YouTube yesterday, uh, or maybe it was off of your website, but you know, there are videos, several videos available. You have the ability vocally, and trumpet-wise, but I, uh, this was my first experience with your vocal prowess if that's can i use that word i just did um so many different characters and it's like you know you hear a little bit of adele i don't know if you're a fan of adele you you hear um oh my gosh uh simone nina simone yes thank you Mm -hmm. and obviously there were influences for you vocally as well and i you know so you also do a great job very high production value on your videos so you know that helps right. the, the the lighting and all of that oh, is the one is, video <laughs> oh is it just the one well or which one are you talking about so is the day uh it starts just focused right on your mouth yeah right? yeah that's yeah. my I, that was a, we'll probably talk about this <laughs> too but that was a the official music video for the, the album I just put out. So that was a high production thing, but it was. It was there wonderful. are reasons you won't see so many of those. It was a, a big undertaking. Yeah. 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 Did you direct that? No, <laughs> no. I mean, it was my, you know, it's my song, my ideas, my concept, but there was a, a director named Jennifer LeBeau who uh, has done a lot of music, different pieces. So I, I don't, yeah, visually she, she made the decisions on when to kind of pull in, pull out, but we, we worked mm-hmm. on it together. Why yeah, don't you see, the band? Right. You know, it's like you, you talk about leading the band, right? And there comes a point to where you're like, okay, there's, you know, if you're trying to do uh, higher production things with lighting and 
and choreography, it's like, okay, now I'm out of my element. <laughs> you yeah. Know, that's when you trust somebody else to come in and take over, right? There are experts. People do that for a living. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I go, and, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, anyways, I interrupted you. You were, you were talking about then, um, I asked you about the vocal uh, aspect yeah. of that. And I should share that, um, so in, in university, I took a, a a year of secondary lessons on voice, which is where I really learned, started to learn how to use it, the instrument. So same sort of thing with my trumpet playing, you know, a lot of raw materials, you know, decent pitch and good air support and all those things, but really understanding where resonance happens. Uh, I keep doing, I do this because mm -hmm. it is up here. You know, the reason that my voice sounds different than your voice is because of our face shapes and where our bone structure is. And, mm -hmm. and then understanding like on a trumpet, you buzz and the buzz happens at the mouthpiece whereas your vocal flaps they buzz down here okay. you know so those and then there are whole sets of technical exercises to strengthen those uh to just like just as much as trumpet to to increase your endurance mm -hmm. and the ease with which you are able to execute those things uh so i i started studying voice more mm. about my third year of university more intently and Classical remember, or, or more pop uh, jazz? I guess it was jazz. It was just technique. It was just mm -hmm. straight, a lot of just straight technique. I mean, whatever however you want to classify that. Jazz does use technique. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. I just, and I remember my, my teacher, you know, saying like, do you want to sing songs or do you want to train an instrument? Like, let me know right now which you want to do, which uh, maybe you do this. I, I, I work with a lot of, uh, I work with a lot of adult students, which is super fun. And sometimes <laughs> coming back to it and you're like, do you want me to teach you how to perform and play fun songs? Or right. do you want to learn how to play the trumpet? <laughs> Cause those are different, those are different things. Exactly. <laughs> you want to talk about music or you want to talk about trumpet technique? Mm -hmm. And that's, and I kind of have to separate those for myself. So the same with voice, I, it was just more about understanding yeah, what are some exercises you can do? And it's just much like trumpet playing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're annoying. The vocal right. exercises. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's literally a vocal exercise to get mm -hmm. you to resonate stronger. It's not beautiful, but it works. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, it's beautiful in the right context, right? I mean, you use it when it's, Yeah. you know, you're not going to sing uh, Madam Butterfly. Right. Like right, that, right. but you're going to no, sing. It's, it's strength training. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was wonderful. At that time, again, I was taking private lessons and I was taking the technique I was learning and applying it into a musical setting with jazz and music. And that was, that's when that kind of really started to come together. Um, artistically, that's technically now it, it took a, you know, several years, I think for me to find my, you know, as far as finding my voice musically has been a long, a long mm -hmm. journey. Um, a lot aided by writing original music, seeing, first of all, what my ideas are, and then also analyzing those two instruments. What does my voice sound like? What does my trumpet sound like? And how do I, and can I find songs or write songs that can be vehicles that show off both of their strengths? You know, I like fiery trumpet playing, mm -hmm. and yet my voice can be pretty smoky, smoldery at the same mm -hmm. time. So, okay, where does that happen? Uh, or what would sound best with that? Actually, when I first, the first gig that I did in New York City under my own name, um, I played at a place called the Metropolitan Room and I had a themed concert. Mm -hmm. Actually, the first gig I did was under my own name and nobody came. And then I learned the lesson, <laughs> which is 
make it put a theme on it if you're not if you, nobody knows you let's right. give it a theme right uh so the so i did a program i called brass and bells and it was focusing on the the vocalists and trumpet players of the swing era so the whole program was like roy eldridge and anita o'day in the gene krupa era louis and ella um uh louis prima and keely smith and just playing both of those mm -hmm. parts you know kind of going back and forth uh also plus a couple of the few singing instrumentalists we are aware of chet baker uh Valeta snow um Obviously, Louis Armstrong. Oh, Sarah Vaughn and Clifford Brown is one of my favorite mm -hmm. albums. So I highlighted those. And that was like a whole study. I think that was really the beginning, too, of me going, okay, like, how do I make this work really in tandem, showing off both as separate kind of uh, entities, but working together mm -hmm. and studying the art of, um, I mean, just how to do that physically within a song. Right. Uh, <laughs> I learned a lot from uh, from Louis Armstrong. Actually, Louis in the 30s is a brilliant thing because he was doing a lot more singing and playing. And in his arrangements, you'll see like there's a four bar interlude <laughs> or mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. you always got to you got to kind of write in these these little spots where you're like, this is where I'm going to go and put the trumpet down and then sing right. that. Right. So that kind of plotting was. In yeah. I focused on that. There's a uh, young early 20s in Spain. I can't remember her name. Uh, I don't know if you're, you've uh, seen you're thinking her of playing. A... Come on. Voice over uh, coming over here. Andrea Motis? Yes. Yeah. She's, she's I mean, she's wonderful. She's a, she, I, yeah. So she's, I've had videos of her since she was probably 12. She might actually be 28 or something now. It doesn't mm. matter, but she's, she's well established. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's his name? I might say it wrong. Joan Shamaro. Yeah. I don't know that but, name. He's uh so he's the leader of, a uh, youth orchestra over there mm -hmm. that consistently pulls up, brings out great players and especially features women. But uh, yeah, Andrea Motis is fantastic. Mm -hmm. She's yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Well, you know, as a teacher, um, it's been great. And most of my studio, the last I don't know six to eight years, has been half and half. Great. And. When Allison Balson came along and Tina Helseth came along and you and Ingrid and as you know, I became more aware of, of others. It's like, great, I don't have to pull up a video of some video of some old white guy playing, you know, yeah. it's like, we need this, sure. you know, and and I and I would like to say I, I hope we come to the day when none of this matters. I mean, it's important we are who we are, but it's not, you know, you know, the yeah, bias well, is gone. It, yeah, well, and, and quite honestly, something I've been doing even today is I'm trying to do a better job of, of featuring female trumpet players from the past because they did exist. They, so they just didn't get written into the history books. Mm -hmm. You know, today my featured artist, Clara Bryant. She sounds amazing. Dolly Jones, a kick-ass trumpet player from the 1930s. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, and I'm not just saying that not like for a girl or a woman. Like she, she's playing licks riffs. I, I've been doing these blind listening challenges on my on my Instagram feeds and my Facebook feeds. I'm like, name this trumpet player, and everybody's like, oh, that's Roy Eldridge, that's uh, that's Big Spiderbeck, that's Louis Armstrong. No, it's got to be this, got to be that. I'm like, it's Dolly Jones. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think a lot of you know this time is always about you know empowering the next generation and remembering what came became before. But there's this huge gap between 1920 and 1970 of female players that even before that were that are not just weren't written into the history book. So let's just like 
you know, yeah. you have the opportunity to make some more Wikipedia articles right now, at least let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I think it's, it's an amazing time we live in where it's not just about finding the information. It's really compiling it. Like you need, you need a massive amount of things to get any sort of attention at this point. So, I mean, that's why these, these, the, the binding, like things like diva, you know, diva's like, we're not the first all female jazz band, but apparently we need to bond together right now to make our point you know that's kind of what these moments are it's not new information but we're stronger together um well i mean you even did that you you alluded to your uh was it five or seven i mean you had a a group of all female which is so funny because when i think about that i'm like we weren't trying to make any sort of point (laughs) i don't know we were just like these are my friends wouldn't it be funny wouldn't it be funny if we did this (laughs) you know that So, but again, that was a luxury. I wasn't, I didn't have to think about, I wasn't thinking about the, um, you know, the, the social aspects movement or inspiring younger generations or any of that revolution fighting for our rights, because I feel like I, I was, I had the benefit of, of, you know, whatever, what Diva was working for. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'll fame about that. Sounds like fun. Why don't we do that over here? You know, it is funny, uh, you know, it's even, it's an interesting energy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've been focused on jazz the whole time, right? Or was there a period where you're like, I want to be a lead player or I want to try the orchestral stuff or I want to try, uh, you know, solo repertoire and it, or has it just always been, this is my focus? My first band was the ska band. <laughs> I'm ready anytime. I'm ready to go. Oh back yeah. Here. You're up in the Northwest, of course. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's where, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's where all that came from. Sure. Between the, the Western corridor straight from in between Orange County, California up the grungy coast. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I hope I get to, I hope I get a ska band someday. Um, I've never really, no, I, I've never been a purist um, because I, I, you know, I think there's obviously there's so much to learn from every style of music um, I listen to every kind of music as far as playing. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. good enough to be able to tell now, but I'm like I, I played lead in my university big band, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of that amazing thing where it's like, all right, popping out G's and A's over the big band. Yeah. And then you go into the real world and you're like, not, don't have those skills. Any- and <laughs> yeah. nowhere, nowhere to use them. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just started focusing on different things. I could see that. So, uh, yeah, you know, I've I've played in uh, the occasional like salsa band, which I love the music and I love the opportunity. I don't like losing my hearing. Uh, oh <laughs> or my gosh! Box, you know, I don't like. But uh, I mean, the, the music there is phenomenal. Um, yeah, no, I have. Let me think. Well, and you're think. in New York City. I mean, you get to hear all of this stuff. If oh, I love if, it. When you're not out playing your own gigs, right? I mean, yeah. do you do you go down and listen to yes. all the different stuff? Yes, 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 most definitely. I love my, one of my favorite places to go is the Rockwood Music Hall. It's like hour after hour after hour of like just bands kind of coming in and showcasing whatever they've got from out of town, in town. Um, it's, you know, it's rock, punk, soul, singer, songwriter, whatever. I love uh, uh what we'll just classify as global global music uh there's a wonderful like balkan brass festival that happens once mm-hmm. a year in new york i love that stuff obviously it's trumpet players um yeah what else did i see recent well i haven't seen anything recently but uh <laughs> um yeah i will definitely 
if I had, if I had five, if I could go see music, if I went to see music four or five nights in a row in New York city, it'd be like, one of them would be probably one of them would be jazz. One of them would be like jazz on the highest level. One of them would be jazz. My buddies, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, one or two nights. One would be, um, yeah, like kind of grungy, some rock club. Uh, another would be, um, you know, uh, like a, maybe like a bluegrass sort of thing. I went to a couple of like bluegrass jam. That was one of my last jam sessions in February. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Kentucky and, and I lost my accent or whatever accent I had years and years ago. Of course, I'm in Indiana now, but it must have been in Kentucky long enough because anytime I hear bluegrass, I'm like, home is calling. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up, actually, my older brother played old time fiddle. I grew oh, up before wow. I even, before I got, so the music, I mean, these are the questions are, what were you into before you were into jazz? It's like, well, my parents were baby boomers. So we were all like jukebox, American graffiti stuff. Um, my brother, it was Irish, Celtic, Canadian, sort of waltz a jig and a reel, sort mm-hmm. of uh, that, a lot of that music. Um, I talked about hip hop. I love classic rock. I love disco. I love, you know, I love mm-hmm. things with a good beat. Um so yeah, so I, I, I really, really enjoy those opportunities. And quite honestly, any time I get, if I get a chance to play them, I would <laughs> love to do it. But meanwhile, I've been working them. I, I think since I've been doing the kind of solo concert thing for so long, I've just had to find ways to incorporate that into my own music. Yeah. You know, we do, we do, we start with a Louis Armstrong, Cornet Chop Suey, and I end the set with, I want to break free by Queen. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's funky. You know, like that's, that, that's, I'm just like, okay, nobody hires me for these gigs. So I'll just work it into my own set. Somehow <laughs> I still got to, you know, I'm yeah. here to make music that I love yeah. and everybody hears a little something different. And meanwhile, we'll do some Leonard Cohen in the mix. I'll do some original songs that maybe sound like sixties doo-wop songs. I, yeah. you know, <laughs> I love well, it all. You yeah. mentioned ska. And I think one of the things I liked about ska was whatever instrument you play, you're in the band right? Yeah. It, was, it was this eclectic mix of whatever you can make noise with, right? Yeah, and, and it's like it's like trad jazz with distortion. <laughs> you know, it's like you just button, button, button the horns and everybody and it's it's happy punk. Oh, that reminds yeah. me of one of my favorite. So my Desert Island discs, one of them is Esquivel. I don't know if you've ever heard. No. Esquivel was like a, a, a cinematic composer from the 1950s born in Mexico. You know, you've heard the music the most popular, like the mucha muchacha, but like the, the orchestration, it's everything from like slide guitar to, <laughs> to, uh, I don't know, celeste yeah. or something and beyond like, yeah. but the swing big band instruments. I love, yeah, I love, um, unique combinations of instruments. And I think of music that way now, like in, in sounds. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got your ukulele, uh, <sighs> sitting back there. And so, and your keyboard. I mean, you're obviously, you work all those into your, into your set, right? I got all sorts of things in here. I got my own little like chunk of. <laughs> yeah. There you okay. go. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm don't worry. I'm not doing, I'm not clowning birthday parties yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. We might have to be fighting for those gigs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for too exactly. long, right? <laughs> Not yet available. So, call me. Call me. Right. This is my I'll coming put, out. I'll put that along the bottom. You know, I'll yeah. put it on the crawl down there. Yeah. I've gotten really good yeah. at happy birthday messages for people if they oh want them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, 
are, are you enjoying the the uh, virtual stuff, the, the Facebook Live or whatever you're you're using for that? I do. Yeah. You know what? I think if on the rare occasion when I've been like, oh, shoot, I'm not prepared or I don't know if I feel like, it, you know, getting ready and performing today, I just get into it. And then I see the comments from people and I have gets chatty and I always feel good when I come out of them. Mm-hmm. And that's just it. It's an opportunity to connect with people. It's not pretentious in the slightest. It's just like, you know, just just here to make music and be together with other people. And so I do I do really love that. There was a moment, um, I think for the first month, and this is part of my personality too, I was like, okay, what can I do and say yes to everything? Go, 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 go. And so I found myself, uh, you know, I, I was doing a lot of things like trying to prepare concerts or performances for people. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, like without the gear or the skill set, and I had to be like this. <laughs> this is not quality. This is not. <laughs> this is not good for anybody, mm-hmm. uh, especially not me in the long term. Perhaps. Um, well, look. So- be fair to yourself. We all had a learning curve into this, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, yeah. This was this was awkward for everybody, right? In every way, as I speak <laughs> yeah. into my microphone, into my <laughs> into my Zoom, whatever. Yeah. This- yeah. No, oops, oops, hello. We, we learned skill sets along the way. Um, but, you know, I think, yeah, you want to adapt. You want to continuously adapt to whatever the environment is. Um, so I think it's been help me for, helpful for me to kind of compartmentalize and be like, okay, like, don't just be transparent about what it is. When I do the live streams, I'm like, I think I know that song. Do we know it? You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's more approachable that way. However, if you want a fully produced concert, then I will put more time and effort mm-hmm. into that and give you you know, the most professional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I am capable of it this time. Um, well, I hope we come out of this soon. I was just, you know, the, it's, I miss making music with my friends. There's a song in there somewhere too, isn't there? Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I get um, by. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, we will come out of it. We will come out yeah. of it. Of course, you know, something will happen. This is my, uh, my lady. <laughs> my latest album yes please hold it up i didn't nobody was so like i didn't intend for this to be the message of the day but the title is nothing never happens and that comes from um there's a lot of the songs i wrote a couple i mean you know over the last few years where it just felt like first of all that there was just like a broad non-stop barrage of let's call it information with heavy quotation Mm -hmm. marks media input 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 so it just feels like okay there's no break and so how can i what can i what can I do? Well, let me, I took myself off the grid and wrote some songs to process. And again, we'd already talked about that. That's the important part about the arts, but the other piece of that title uh, came from years of traveling with all these bands and, you know, stuff always goes wrong. You lose, you lose (laughs) musical instruments, you, your flights are delayed, you lose people along the way, you know, like Mm -hmm, anything can happen. mm -hmm. And so I adopted this phrase, like just saying that, you know, some, something will happen. Nothing never happens. You have to keep going. You know, right. Something will happen. It's never just stopped. So it's positive in a double negative sort of way. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's exactly this is like, all right, let's find some optimism within the chaos and it's going, things will continue yeah. and it will not look the same as it did before. Um, I hope that the people who have been saying for the first couple of months about when things get back to normal, we'll do this. It's not about that. It's not going back at all. We're moving forward. We're adapting. Um, and yeah, I think that, uh, I know that we, I know that we will play 
together again, but the, and then and we'll have different skills that will help us reach more people. Again, we'll have we'll be live streaming our live concerts and giving people recordings on the fly, and hopefully have a system of. Uh... <laughs> well, and think about this. You know, how much is your audience going to grow during this? How many people are going to all of a sudden know? more about you and tell their friends, right? I mean, so again, the silver lining thing, it's like, you know, looking at, hey, this could be, take the opportunity to to just make sure I'm out there and people know about it. And Straight analytics, my Facebook, I went from 25,000 to 75,000 <sighs> followers. Overnight, almost, right? In four months. Wow. That is it. And that is the connection. Like that's, you keep doing it. People need it. And you're like, okay, well, when this is all done, I'm going to come see you. Right. <laughs> and if every, meanwhile, if everybody here could just give me $1, you know, right? <laughs> fine. No, it's not, right. <laughs> you know, but it's a, a thousand percent. It's like, okay, well, that, that's what this time is good for. That's what this time is good for. And there are different ways to, you know, I'm trying to figure out right now, yeah, the business models for the long term of like, do I go with a Patreon page? Do I do a subscription service for better things? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure those things out. But what I do know right now is that giving myself, like providing those things for free through a streaming service, it helps them. It helps me. Mm -hmm. I'm making a living. I'm getting by, <laughs> you know, in mm -hmm. the short term. Mm -hmm. And it's connecting me with thousands of more people that um you know are going through a similar experience what a what a time what a time we live in where there is actually a collective global experience it's amazing so yeah. it is um so there, uh, there have been so many different uh quotes from guests and i'm going to make a t-shirt one day that's going to have like you know the top 10 um yours is going to be on there nothing never happens Bruce yeah, yeah. Right? That, that'll be the quote that i'll use for you with the, with the grimace face like <laughs> like for better or worse one I, day at a time. I took three weeks off two days ago i i picked it up again because really? i gotta i gotta start teaching congratulations yeah and it's like okay blow through the little end right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> remind yeah. yourself on that you know it's but, really important though to like uh, to feel that though and be like you can you know it's not impossible. It's not impossible. The trumpet doesn't own you. There's this like power struggle that happens. And, yeah. and it's cool that you knew yourself that you're like, well, and I decided, you know, I'd been a, a flow studies guy for a while. I thought, you know, what, I'm going to try something different. So I'm, I'm working a new routine, working yeah. a new something and see if I, if I like yeah. it. So yeah, this quarantine has been really good for my technical, like structure, like just practice anyway, you know, there, there are no other variables. So yeah, for finding a routine that, yeah Focusing. it's been really good yeah so um this has been it's been a real pleasure thanks for giving me the time and for sharing everything this is uh this is nice and i look forward to you know we can actually cross paths somewhere in the in the future yes. i think that'd be fun and Likewise. i look forward to to seeing more great things coming from you and stay inspired uh, get the horn on your face once a day at least you know right and that's where today's interview with bria ends but there's a little more to be heard I accepted a portion from this interview, and that is available exclusively for my Patreon patrons. You can find out more about how to receive that benefit and others at patreon.com slash studiohfl. Again, to those who are already patrons, once again, you have my deep appreciation for your support. 
Another reminder to visit Apple Podcast and to leave both a star rating and a review, and please visit the Studio HFL YouTube channel and subscribe. This has been a production of Powell Music, and the show has been supported by the generosity of Messina Covers, Eastman Winds, S.E. Shires, Hammond Design, and Pickett Blackburn. Once again, I'm your host, Larry Powell. Grateful that you spent some time here today with me and Bria Schoenberg. Be sure to come back next week for episode 100 with my guest, Wayne Bergeron. Have a great day, and see you next time.